0: The following audio is from Norths Ferry Community Church. More information about Norths Ferry Community Church is available at northsferrychurch.org. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Kevin Wilsey. I'm the new Minister of Discipleship and Operations here at Norris Ferry. Um, I started about four weeks ago, and so I'm excited, excited to be here. Excited that Tracy has asked me to, uh, to teach today, to, to bring God's truth um, and share it with, with you guys. Um, just as Paul has brought it to the Ephesian church, um, I learned about it, and now I'm going to be able to, to share Uh, What I've learned with you guys and so I'm excited about that before I get started um, If you will, please just go ahead and turn to ephesians 4 We're going to be in verses 31 and then through ephesians 5 verse 2 but before We read the text. I would like to to pray and if uh, as I pray for you, please just be praying for me Father I thank you for this opportunity Father, I thank you for loving us, for being for us, for being with us. Father, I pray that this church will understand hindrances in their lives that, is, that are affecting their gospel community and their gospel living. And I pray that they will see the traits, the characteristics that you have poured out on us, that we can be imitators of you, taking those and living, um, living with those, walking those out, that we can take uh, the love that you've given us, the uh, kindness, the compassion, the forgiveness, and we can boldly walk that out in the community here at North Ferry, in the community here in Shreveport. We love you, and it's in your son's name, Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians four thirty-one through 5, 2. If you read with me. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So today we're going to talk and look at two aspects of gospel living. First, there's going to be traits that hinder our gospel living in community, and then traits that are a necessity, that are essential for gospel living in community. And so this this five-week series that we just started, this is the second week, you, you walk in here and you notice gospel living, the obedience of faith. And that gives you an idea, that gives you a basic definition of where I'm going to be going today. Um, before we get into those two aspects of gospel living, though, I think we need to define gospel living a little more. So we're going to try to define that uh, so you would have a better understanding and a better foundation uh, as we go. So when, when I mention gospel living, I'm not just talking about The the books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Another definition for it could be Christ-centered living, uh, a, a type of living that is built off the foundation of Christ, built off the foundation of the gospel. So what do I mean by gospel and gospel living? It is the outrageous news of what has been done for us by God in Jesus Christ, let me repeat that. It is the outrageous news, the good news of what has been done for us by God in Jesus Christ. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, we see Paul, he's stating this good news. He's stating this doc, these doctrinal truths, these biblical truths. He's stating what God has done for us um, by Christ. And so in e- Ephesians 1 all the way up to, to 4, Paul, he's listing these truths, and he, he kind of gets excited. Um, when I was reading in Ephesians 1, it, it's almost like he, he breaks into this praise. Uh, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. And at the end of that, he says, to the praise of his glory. So he breaks into this praise because he understands the good news of God's grace and what it means to the church in Ephesus, to Norris Ferry here in Shreveport, to you individually. And he's getting to the point of what is the gospel. He says, in Christ you have redemption He sent his son to die for you. In Christ, you are given grace. In Christ, we obtain an inheritance. In Christ, you are loved. In Christ, he lavishes his grace upon us daily. His mercies are new every day. In Christ, all hostility is broken. In Christ, there is this bond of peace. In Christ, we are united, and in Christ, we are one. But then in the middle kind of him listing these biblical truths and talking about the gospel, in, in chapter 2, he calls the church in Ephesians, the Gentiles and the Jews, to kind of remember, to remember who they were before Christ, before the revelation of Jesus Christ in their lives. And today, I'm going to talk to mainly Christians, to the church here at Norris Ferry. But if you are not a believer, I don't want you to tune me out. I want you to be able to see the depths and the darkness of your sin and how great God's mercy and his love is for you. And Paul, he's calling the Ephesian church to remember He's saying, remember that you were once dead in your trespasses. You were dead in your sins. You were once following Satan. You were once following your fleshly desires, following the ways of the world. Does that sound familiar? When I read that, I was called to remember. Remember my life before Christ. Even my sins still today that my fleshly desires, they still will overtake me. That sin is still apparent in my life, that idols are still in my heart today. But if you continue going on in chapter two, in verse four, Paul he lists, he says two words. Two words that sum up these doctrinal truths. Two words that give you a hope, give you a glimpse of God's grace. He says, but God. Those are powerful words. Remembering who you were before Christ. But then he says, but God. But God, this Christian is your identity. Those two words are your identity. And Paul, he says, walk in a manner worthy of this. Walk in a relationship with God and Christ and walk out this relationship in your community and with others. And with a a new identity, the old must die, right? The old identity of fleshly desires of following Satan, of following the ways of the world they must they must die and paul he he's getting to the point that we must die to ourselves put away our idols and we must walk in a manner worthy of our calling we must love god and love one another in chapter 4 in verses 18 through 19 he talks about this this separation and who they were before Christ, but he calls them that this is not not their foundation. This is not what they were taught. He says they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And Paul says in verse 20, but this is not the teachings of Christ that you have learned. You must put off your old self being renewed by the spirit and put on your new self that is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So gospel living Christ-centered living is understanding what God has done for you in Jesus Christ and your lives to be committed to your new identity in Christ. Let me repeat that. Gospel living is understanding what God has done for you in Jesus Christ and your lives to be committed to your new identity in Christ. We are to live this out in our communities. Throughout Ephesians, Paul, he clearly shows this. In chapter 2, verse 18 through 22, he says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone." in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. We are fellow citizens. We are members. We are joined together. We are a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. But it's not just us individually, but us corporately as a church. We are a dwelling place for God. In chapter 4, verses 3 through 4, it says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So there's one body and one spirit. So in the spirit, we are united. There's a bond of peace. And our sin, it can, it can destroy this unity. And we we must make every effort to keep this unity. So Norris Ferry. I'm talking to you. When I get into verse 31, I don't want sin to destroy this community, but I want us to make every effort to fight to keep this community, a gospel-centered community. And I want that to grow. And I want that to go into Shreveport. So in order to continue to understand what it looks like to live in our new identity, to live in the likeness of God, we must look at the hindrances that Paul says affect our gospel living. So verse 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away along with all malice. We must eliminate sinful traits that cause hindrances to gospel living. Paul, he gives the the believers in Ephesus an idea of what this looks like. He starts this earlier in in chapter 4, and he he gives them a list of all the sins that we must put off, all the traits that are a part of our old identity. Um, And he comes to verse 31, and he kind of condenses it. He kind of summarizes this list. And he shows us, how uh, we are not to act towards our brother and sister in Christ. And he's showing us that these are all traits, that, uh, sins that lead to destruction, destruction from relationships, destructions in destruction of our, our community. And so we must not only change our thinking or our behavior, but it starts with the heart. So what is in your heart? And we're going to talk about that more. But it's your heart that affects your thinking. It's your heart that affects your behavior and your actions. Paul, he shares later um, in Ephesians that only this can be done. The only way that this can be done is because of Christ's work on the cross and the Spirit's work in us today. So in verse 31, Paul, he's saying, be aware of, put off, put away, get rid of, let it be removed from you. All of these things, bitterness, wrath, anger, slander, clamor, malice, put it all away. And the good news when we get to it is that Christ has taken that away from you already. There's victory Christ has defeated the sin, the sins in your lives for you. Bitterness. Have you ever had that bitter taste in your mouth? That makes you just want to vomit? It, just that, that gross feeling, it doesn't make you feel good. And it, it even when I taste something bitter, when I think about something that I've eaten that's gross... My attitude even kind of changes um, towards the people I'm around. Like, this is gross. And I kind of get angry with it. Because it's disgusting. Bitterness, this, this term here, is refer, referring to a hard-heartedness that, that harbors resentment. It's, it's being treated unfairly. Keeping a record of wrongs. Your coworker, your friend, uh, a person in your community group, they say something one week. And it kind of, you know, you take a step back. You think, that was hurtful. And you write it down. You keep it in your memory. Next week, another action. Maybe not even meant to hurt you, to harm you, but you write it down. You keep it in your memory. And this bitterness it's there in your heart, and it, it has the ability to grow, to fester and to affect your whole life and your actions and your behaviors and your thinking. Hebrews 12:15: "See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Bitterness, it causes trouble, it defiles. But it doesn't just cause trouble in you or defile you, but it causes trouble and it defiles your community and where you are, your relationships around you. It has the ability to grow and to destroy. And that's what Paul is getting at in these verses. He lists bitterness first, and you're going to see kind of the domino effect. And you're going to see bitterness just fall into wrath and anger. Bitterness, wrath, and anger fall into clamor and slander and malice. And if you look, bitterness, if you don't put it away, if you don't turn towards the cross and what Jesus has done for you, if you don't repent, of it, it can breed and lead into these other areas. And, and Paul, he lists wrath and anger. He's warning the church to put this away. Paul, earlier in, in chapter 4, verse 26, um, he says, be angry and do not sin. And so we understand that there, there is a righteous anger. That there is an anger where it's okay to be angry We see Jesus being angry. We see God even being angry. But this this anger that Paul is talking about in verse 31, it's an unrighteous anger. It's an anger that is sinful. In the latter part of of verse 26, um, Paul, he says, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give opportunity to the devil. So if you take, if your bitterness, if it festers and it grows and turns into anger and wrath, and you don't repent of it, and you let it sit there and fester, if you don't approach the person who has angered you, who has caused this bitterness, if you don't tell them how it affected you, it giving opportunity to the devil to destroy that relationship to lead you somewhere maybe you don't want to be. And he talks about wrath. It's an outburst of uncontrolled passion and frustration. Who's, been, who's tried to show someone wrath before? You don't have to raise your hand, but I have. And often this uncontrolled passion, this frustration, it leads to clamor. It leads to yelling and shouting and screaming. James three six talks about the tongue and how nasty the tongue can be. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire, the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. The tongue can stain the body. It can set fires that direct your course of life. And that goes with slander, his next point, slander, malicious talk, Speaking down upon someone, gossiping, abusive talk. If I speak down upon David, if I gossip about David and he hears about that, what my tongue did, it can direct his whole course of life. It can set a fire there. It can destroy our relationship and it can lead him into deeper and darker sin. That's how powerful your tongue can be. In verse 29, Paul, he says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. Are you building each other up or is your tongue tearing each other down? I want you to think about the reason, the reason why and what is at the core of your heart, at the core of um, your heart when you act this way, when you gossip, when you slander, when you yell, what is at the core of your heart there? Tearing a person down. What do you think is at the core? It might be an idol in your life. It might be something you didn't feel comfortable with. Um, and he talks about malice. He says, do you desire to do evil or malice, and I want to ask you, do you desire to do evil towards someone, to get revenge? A malicious person, these are all characteristics of a person living in their old self. A person whose heart is corrupt. Living in the worldly desires, their fleshly desires, following Satan, allowing that sin to, to control us. And these are all destructive to community. They're all destructive to the body. How can there be a community? How can there be fellowship with one another, a bond of peace when everyone's bitter and angry or talking bad about one another? Where is the gospel in that situation? You see these these. Uh, relationships; these traits they break apart relationships. They don't redeem relationships. They don't bring the relationships together. And there's a heart issue there. It's not just a simple action to change. It's not just okay. I can I can think to um, control my heart, but it, I mean my tongue. It's a heart issue. Like I was asking, what does that show? They show that there's something deeper going on. There's a hardness of heart. There's a sin. There's an idol in your life. So what is that idol? In your heart, you are always worshiping something. Um, One of my... Friends, he gave the analogy to this of a care bear, you know, care bears um, and how light it's been a long time since I've seen the show, but how light comes out of their chest whenever they're turns towards something, loving something. Right. What is your heart towards turn toward turn toward what is your heart worshiping? I love that analogy. And when you're walking daily in your gospel living, where is your heart turned towards? What are you worshiping in these moments of being angry, gossiping? Are you worshiping yourself? Do you idolize yourself? Are you worshiping others? Maybe it's an object, maybe it's money. Maybe it's food. What is it that you're worshiping? See, this has been very real for me. Um, This study has been very real for me. Um, Just walking through verse 31, thinking about bitterness, thinking about anger and wrath and malice and slander and clamor. It's been very real. Um, around three years ago, my mom mentioned to my dad that she was leaving him and she wanted to start a new life and a new relationship. And so for many nights, I was with my dad, comforting him as he was in pain and suffering. And that's when I tasted it. That's when I tasted that bitterness. And instead of recognizing that bitterness, I allowed it to grow, to fester into anger, into wrath, into slander. I wanted to give my mom my full wrath. She broke apart a community. I remember pulling up to her, jumping out of the car, yelling at her, not giving her any time to say anything, and getting back in the car and driving away. I gave her my wrath. I yelled. I yelled stuff that I didn't even truly mean. My tongue in that situation, it could have caused her course of life to change. I wasn't thinking about that. I wasn't thinking about my sin. I wasn't thinking about God's grace in my life. I was thinking about how angry I was. And this, it didn't just start, stop there, but that bitterness and that, that anger, it bled and it led out to affect other relationships with individuals who, who maybe had been in the same situation. It hindered me sharing the gospel with someone who doesn't know Jesus. Jesus. You see it affected my life it hindered me from showing grace and love to others that God so graciously showed me my heart it worshiped it worshiped my image it worshiped my image of my family and i could tell people that my family was fine they were great there was nothing wrong with them i'm not suffering i'm fine And then that happened, and the image was destroyed. So my idol, my sin, maybe that bitterness was there from something else, and it just, it just grew even more from this. But it was revealed. So I want to ask you, what is hindering your gospel living? What is an obstacle in your community? Who are you bitter towards? Who are you angry at? Your actions are not what only needs to be changed. It's deeper than your actions. It's in your heart. Paul, he commands the community, the believers here, not to live in the futility of their minds, not to live in their darkened understanding, like they're separated for God, but to put on their new identity, their new self that's created after the likeness of God. In true righteousness and holiness. He says, You know the truth. You know the foundation. This is your cornerstone. Live accordingly. Let's walk this out. And he goes into verse 2 and he's, uh, verse 32, and he says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. We must embrace these three traits that are essential for gospel living, and all of these traits are characteristics of God: kindness, tenderheartedness, forgiving Paul he says instead of being angry, instead of being bitter, he shows us the opposite. He says, "This is God, these are his characteristics. instead of speaking bad about one another, be kind." Be compassionate and tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And this is the foundational teaching of life together as believers in community. He desires for the believers to live the attributes that God has shown us out to one another. Taste and see that the Lord is good, as Psalm says. The Lord is good. His kindness is good. His, his goodness, that is how he's defined. He is good. He is kind. It's the Lord's kindness that leads people to repentance. You just went through that study in Romans. Psalms 145, the Lord is good to all. He gave his son, his only son for my life. He is good. So how can we be kind to one another? It's by showing compassion. The next one, tenor-heartedness. This word it literally means healthy intestines. I, I caught. I, yeah, it was weird to me as well. But it's it's basically meaning that it's a it's an internal feeling, a feeling from from deep down in your gut to have compassion on someone, and this compassion is 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 merciful these are other attributes of god in exodus exodus 34 6 i love this verse the lord the lord a god merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness god is merciful he's compassionate he's gracious See, these are opposites from being bitter and angry. Are you compassionate towards your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are you compassionate to one another in community group? Are you compassionate to those here, other believers in Norris Ferry Community Church? Do you desire to help them? Do you desire to to see them succeed? Does the feeling of compassion come from deep down in your gut? Is your heart no longer hardened in that area? Is it softened by the Spirit and what God has done in your life? And he moves on and he says, Forgiving one another. Forgiveness, it is not easy. I know that. It is not easy. It is extremely hard and it is costly. And it always costs someone something. Someone always has to pay the debt. And it usually costs you something, right? Forgiveness is costly. I had to take the debt to take the sin that was done against my family and myself and forgive my mom. It cost me And often, often, I think you can forgive first without even feeling it right away. Paul, he says, forgiving one another. So it's a two-sided street. If I do something bad against Ham, hopefully he's going to forgive me. If Ham does something bad against me, Hopefully, I'm going to forgive him. It goes both ways. And it's a, it's a daily thing. It's a daily task. Forgiveness doesn't stop. It has to continue. And it's hard. But God's forgiveness is real. Psalms 103, as far as the east is from the west... So far does he remove our transgressions from us. God, he doesn't keep our sins in the back of his mind to blackmail us. Do you keep sins in the back of your mind to blackmail others? Or do you forgive them? In Christ, we are righteous. In Christ, we are washed clean of those sins. Tim Keller, he shares that true forgiveness comes at a cost and is pursued intentionally within a community of believers. It has to be pursued. I mentioned at the beginning that we are united in Christ, that we are one, that we are a community. And our community is different because our community is united by Christ. And it consists solely in what Christ has done to all of us. So that's how we act towards one another. Keller, he also states that Christians in community are never to give up on one another, never to give up on a relationship, never write off another believer. We must never tire of forgiving and seeking to repair our relationships. When someone enters a room, do you turn and go somewhere else? Or do you pursue them? Do you care for them? Are you kind towards them, compassionate, forgiving them? He's calling, Paul is calling the Ephesians. The Ephesian church, the church of Ephesus, to walk in this manner in the Bible. And God is calling us Christians in Shreveport, Christians at Norris Ferry, Christians in a community group, Christians to walk in this manner. To live based on your new identity. Walk according to who you are in Christ. And we're going to get to it. The reason we can do this is because what he has done for us walking to kindness, having compassion, and forgiving one another. And I was working on this, and with everything going on in today in the world, um, my heart was just heavy. A video came out of, um, it was like a clearer video of the 9-11 attack, and I sat in the office back here, and I just watched it. I was reminded of what happened in Dallas, what happened in Baton Rouge, and all facts set aside. I mourned with those who lost a life. I mourned with those who, who lost a father, a mother, a child, not knowing if they're Christians or not. We must walk this out in community. We are one. We are united. He's calling us to be kind, to be compassionate. If people in this community, in Shreveport, at other churches, other believers are mourning, we must mourn with them. If they're struggling, they're not encouraged. We need to encourage them. You see, the cross, it breaks hostility. The cross, it brings a bond of peace. And so, when you're walking alongside of these people in your community, you must share with them the cross that breaks hostility. You must share with them Christ who brings a bond of peace. Gospel living. We must remind them of the goodness of God. See, the gospel, it has the power to destroy hostility. So everything aside, we must share the good news of Jesus. In my situation, I I wasn't thinking that. It led to affect a lot of Relationships. or potential relationships. I wasn't thinking to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So to conclude, we need to answer, what is our motivation? What is our motivation to act this way, to walk in a manner worthy of this calling? And I think Paul, he, he answers two questions here. He answers, who am I in Christ? And what can I be in Christ? So look with me at the end of verse 32 on to 5-2. As God and Christ forgave you, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So our example, our example is Christ. Christ has forgiven to you. Just like the the Lord, he revealed my anger to me. He revealed my anger I had towards my mom and to others. And he showed me how great and how disgusting my sin was. And then he showed me how great and how powerful God's grace and mercy is. And how much love he poured out upon me. And I knew my only action was to walk according to this manner and forgive The Lord, he helped me see my need for forgiveness. He had to pay the debt. It cost him. It cost him his son, his only son. And because of his son's blood on the cross, I'm set free and I'm able to forgive. That's the beauty of the gospel, that Christ has forgiven us. And when I struggle, and I struggle daily with bitterness and repent, Christ continues to forgive me because his blood was shed, and there's victory there. It's not just that his blood was shed, but he rose again. He defeated death. So I want to ask you, if you're unaware of your own forgiveness, forgiveness, Are you unaware of your own forgiveness? Is this the reason why you are not forgiving others? Christ is our example. And we see in these verses who we are in christ we are forgiven from all our sins forgiven by god because jesus on the cross you are washed clean you are no longer a slave to sin but you are set free you are not seen as bitter as angry as wrathful as malicious but you are seen as a beloved child adopted into this family through christ When your faith is put in Jesus, you attain God's inheritance. And your children called to imitate this father, this loving and gracious father, and you're loved. God, he loved you so much that he sacrificed for you. And we don't deserve this love, but yet he still loves us. And then the question, what can I be in Christ? You can be imitators of Christ because of what he has done. You can be kind because of his kindness. He has loved us. You can be compassionate because of God in his compassion. He created a plan for us to be with him for eternity. You can be forgiving because through Christ you are forgiven. You can be loving because God he showed he showed the ultimate love for us that while we were still sinners he died. We must live this out, live this together as a family and community, each participating and showing the love of Christ to others in community. And as we reflect Christ and become more and more like Christ, we become these channels of grace to one another. So our motivation is for our community, to our neighbor, to please God. And because God has showed us so much love and so much grace and so much mercy. So I want to end with asking you maybe some tough questions but some questions that that have to be dealt with. Who do you need to forgive? Before you leave this room, is there someone in here that you need to approach, that you need to pursue? Who do you need to bring up to the front to talk to one of the pastors for help? Who do you need to reconcile with, to redeem a relationship? Who do you need to call on the phone after this service? Who do you need to take out to lunch, to pursue, to love? Because he is your brother or sister in Christ. After service, we're going to be up front. If you want to talk to one of us, we'd love to, to talk to you. Um, there's victory in Christ. There's victory in the cross. It breaks down hostility. So I want you to be encouraged by that today because I know I am. Pray with me. Father, I thank you for who you make us in Christ. We are forgiven. We are beloved children. We are loved Father, I pray that we will be imitators of your gospel. We will be imitators of Christ because of what he has done for us. That we can be obedient to our faith, not just for our actions, but because it's a heart change. Because your gospel and your spirit moves us to walk in that manner. Father, I pray that these beloved children will go and walk in love as you first loved us and you gave yourself up for us. Thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.